perfect. I remembered. All right, welcome. Welcome to I Can't Believe This, The Stages of Grief. We're talking about denial today. Um, I didn't put together slides for these. I'm doing kind of just monthly workshops right now where we're talking about the different stages. And I personally can't stand putting together a slide deck, so I rarely do it. So today we're just going to chat. So if you're in your car or out walking, feel free to put me in your pocket and treat this as a podcast because it's kind of I'm kind of treating these like live podcast recordings. And if you listen to Growth Over Easy, you know, I typically do really short episodes. This will not be that long. It just won't be as polished because I'm not stopping and regathering my thoughts. So I want to talk about the stages of grief because they're not a linear process that you go through. And we can grieve a lot of different things. We can grieve death, we grieve divorce, or the end of a relationship, the loss of a dream, of a career. Grief is not only an experience for those who have lost someone to death. Grief is something everyone goes through. It's a universal experience. And Denial is considered like the first stage. Um, some people, when they look at stages, they consider like shock a stage. So if you were to lose someone unexpectedly um, or maybe your home burnt down, there is a level of shock. But I think shock can also be put into the stage of denial. So denial, I think, is actually something your body does and your mind does for you that's really helpful. Because when we experience a loss, if you were to get all of like the sadness and all of the anger and all of the frustration and all of the confusion, all of those emotions dumped on you at once, that would be overbearing. I don't know anyone who would be able to just persevere through that if everything hit us at once. And so we go into this place of denial. And it's almost like this buffer, this weird... Um, I think about it as almost like being in jello a little bit. You're kind of floating in space and it's it's this mixture of emotions that can come up, but they're not quite as intense as they may get later on in the grieving process. So for some people, when denial hits, they might feel shocked or they might feel completely numb. Maybe you've experienced that. I know I have where something will happen and your friends will be like, well, how are you feeling about this? And you're like, I, I don't feel anything. That's completely normal to feel a sense of numbness, a sense of surprise, being shocked. You may be really confused and disoriented. Uh, you may be in a place where you're just shutting down. You're unable to process emotions. You're just feeling very blank. You may forget about the loss. Maybe you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I, <laughs> I was sleeping. I woke up. I I completely forgot this happened. And that feels kind of weird to say. You're like, how does someone forget that they've lost someone or they're going through a really bad breakup? But think of it as your brain and body's way of just giving you a little bit of cushion time as you start to come to grips with your new reality. There may be some disbelief that the loss occurred. Um, you may start to avoid like reminders of the loss. You may procrastinate in dealing with the loss or the consequences of it. Uh, you may be sleeping more than normal. This is something that I have found very true for me is, and I, I actually am very thankful to my brain and body for this, that when I go through um, intense grief or loss, I actually, I sleep a lot. <laughs> and I know some people it hits them the opposite. They're like, I can't sleep. 
But for some people, you may find yourself like your body is so emotionally taxed that you're just completely exhausted. During denial, you may find yourself staying really busy to um, avoid thinking about the loss, engaging in mindless behaviors, being easily distracted. You may focus on needs of others instead of your own needs. You may say things like, I'm fine, everything's good, I'm okay. Or you might even start turning to substances like drugs and alcohol to try to um, just diminish the pain. And so everyone enters into grief differently and everyone is going to deal with the stage of denial differently. I know in my own life, when I lost my mom, it was very unexpected. She had a brain aneurysm. She was here one minute, she was gone the next. And as soon as all of my family was able to get together, it was about 24 hours after um, the event, we all approached it very differently in those that first week following her death. I remember I had, you know, one sibling who was like, I, I just need to work. They just wanted to go into work. They wanted to distract themselves. I had another who was very concerned with everyone else. You know, what do you need? How can I help? Um, I have four siblings. I had another who needed to stay busy. And I had another or another sibling. And then there was myself where all I wanted to do was sit on the couch and just sit there. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to talk to me. I just wanted to kind of sit there because I was in such a weird state of confusion about what had happened. So even in the context of, you know, four people um, experiencing the same loss, just my siblings, we all had very different reactions. And as I've helped other people through loss, um, or had really close loved ones to me experience loss or divorce or some other form of grief, I've noticed that, that it's like there's the only really through line with denial is it's just this weird kind of cushion phase of everything hasn't hit me yet. And one thing I see a lot of people doing, especially when it comes to death, is the event happens. They plan for the funeral. And we have kind of this idea in society, and I blame the, you know, two or three days that most corporate jobs allow you off for bereavement for this, but we have this idea that you're supposed to be over it, that you just experience this huge, profound thing, one of the, like, losing someone or, you know, getting divorced. Those are things that are really impactful to your life. That's a big deal. And we think we're supposed to be over it. Like, well, we have the funeral. We did the grieving thing. And now we're supposed to move on. But in reality, most people are still just in denial at that point. Grief is not set in. I remember after losing my mom, I actually Googled um, a few weeks after. I was like, how long do people grieve a parent for? And I read several things. And the consensus, my quick search kind of brought me to was most people report feeling better after two years. And that hit me like, <laughs> I was like, what? I can't be sad for two years. I don't want to be sad for, you know, two hours. Like being sad sucks. I don't like to be sad. And it kind of woke me up to the reality that this wasn't just a blip in my timeline of my life. This is something that I'm going to have to actually move through. I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't try to, you know, just reason and use logic to get through it. And I, I tried my best to have fun and fill up my calendar and travel and do all the things to push it off. But I would say it was about 10 months later that I feel like I really even began to grieve. 
Um, and it was about two and a half years after the event where I was like, oh, I feel like I found my new normal again. Because you don't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? Like after a divorce, after a death, things don't just go back to the way they were. It's life after. So it's it's life after the event happens. And again, I think the denial stage is so helpful to us because it it cushions us. Because I know for me, if I had felt the level of sadness that came with the loss of my mother right when she died, that would have been way overwhelming. It was heavy enough and hard enough as it was, even though I really didn't get into it until almost a year later, feeling all of it right then would have been too much. So if you're in that early stage after a loss, I want you to just give yourself grace and know that there's no set time period. There's no like magic number. Again, my Google search might have said most people feel better around two years. That's most people. Some people may feel a lot better after a year or six months. Some people, it might be five years. There's no set time period for grief. And, you know, in the kind of therapeutic mental health industry, you know, there's actually like a diagnosis for like a, you know, grief, different grief disorders, you know, whether it's chronic grief or delayed grief. And I honestly think that's our Western way of trying to make the event of grief like very prescriptive when it's not. You know, when we look like back through history, people grieved for a long period of time. Um, I forget the exact like point in time that it was, but like people would, you know, they would dress in all black for like up to like a year just so other people knew that they were going through something. And I think it can be really difficult for people today, especially in Western countries where you're kind of expected to get back into your life after you lose someone. You're expected to, you know, go back to work a couple of days later and just continue. And um, I actually released an article, I think it was last week, about, you know, supporting someone who is experiencing grief. And one of the things I tell people when they ask me, they're like, well, what do you say? What do you do? I'm like, you just keep reaching out. Because two to three weeks after someone dies, most of the people that have been reaching out to you stop. A month after you've lost someone, you're going to hear from fewer and fewer people because their lives have continued to go on, right? Like their life didn't just drastically change like yours did. And it's not that they're being, you know, insensitive or they don't care. They just didn't have this experience. And so a lot of times when you're in this place, this early stage of grief and you're feeling it's in that denial stage, it can seem like everyone's like the world is still spinning for everyone else, but yours is standing still. And that's completely normal. And that's why I think it's really important to give yourself grace and not expect yourself to just be over something. Don't expect yourself to just be like, check the box. We had the funeral. I cried. Or, you know, maybe if you're grieving divorce, like, okay, I signed the paper. I went to court. I'm done with it. There are other stages and there are other things that will come up. And as I said in the beginning, um, when we look at the stages of grief, when we look at like the five, it's not a linear progression where you will start at denial and work your way to acceptance. Like that would be fantastic. I wish that were the case. Most often from what I see and what I've also experienced is you can bounce around between the stages. Um, for me, anger and sadness and a lot of other emotions that come kind of in between the range of those two things. I felt like I went back and forth from a lot. 
And if you follow um, my content and you listen to the podcast, you know, I talk a lot about complicated loss and how that can change grief. So if you lose someone that you had a complicated relationship with, maybe you lose a parent who was abusive or neglectful, and you never had a sense of attachment and safety with them as a child, it was a very unstable environment. Going through the grief of that loss can be more complicated. I'm not going to say like one is harder um, than the other, whether you, you know, lose a beloved parent or an abusive parent, because grief is grief. And I don't think it's ever helpful to compare <laughs> our levels of trauma or our levels of grief with another person, because it's our own personal experience. But it can be more complicated, because when you lose a parent that you had a, like, a bad relationship with, you're not just grieving their death, you're grieving the relationship that you never had with them that you always craved because our relationship with our care, primary caregiver, our parents, it's wired in us to really need and want that connection, all of us. So even if we had a very dysfunctional upbringing, there's a part of you that always craved that attachment and safety with your parent. And so when you lose them, it may be really confusing. You may feel relief that they're gone you may feel completely numb because you don't know how to tap into those feelings. And that's when I, you know, suggest people it's like, you know, reach out and get support because those can be really a mess messy emotions to work through. And the same goes, you know, when we see like marriages dissolve or long-term relationships is oftentimes they dissolve because something like bad happened or there was some kind of hurt, you know, most of the time relationships don't just pleasantly end. I'm sure there are cases, but most of the time that's not the case. There's something or a string of some things that brought this about. And when that happens, the grief process from losing a relationship can be confusing because there can be like a lot of anger in there at the beginning. And then maybe the sadness comes. So it might Again, it might come in different order than if you were to Google, like, what are the stages of grief and what am I going to go through? So if you are grieving right now and you need support, I would love to support you. You can head over to growthovereasy.com and there's, you know, free workshops, um, podcasts, articles, things for you to dive into or, and I'm going to drop this in the chat. You tell I'm not the techiest person. I don't. <laughs> and if you're listening to this on the podcast, this will be in the show notes. Um, and if you're watching this on Substack later, there's the chat. It will be, that go away now, good. It will be um, just in the description of the workshop. But jump on a virtual coffee with me and let's chat about what support would look like. And whether it's me helping you or me just pointing you to more resources, I'd love to connect. So please take advantage of that. If you don't see a time that works for you, um, shoot me a message on social media or an email. I'm good about responding to those. But again, when we look at denial, it's considered that first stage, the first stage of grief. And I like to think of it as that cushion period. So again, your body, your brain, it does this because getting the brunt of everything at once would be overwhelming. So if you're in that place where something recently happened, 
give yourself grace and give yourself time. And don't expect yourself to be over something. Just because you've had the funeral, just because you've signed the papers, it doesn't mean that everything is done and all the emotions have been felt and moved through. Again, loss and death and divorce and all those things, those are some of the biggest things people can go through in life. I I want to say the top five are yeah, death, divorce, um, change of a career, moving. Um, and there's one other one related to loss, but it's like the biggest stressors for humans kind of thing. And so if you've experienced any of those things, it's normal to have like a process of grief, even if maybe you're grieving something that's not a, um, something that's considered a loss. So I hope this helps. Like I said, over the next few months, I'm going to do one of these a month and just unpack the stages a little bit and some of the emotions that are common to experience with them and just some tips for moving through that. So if you find yourself in a place of, I'm completely numb, um, I'm not feeling anything, something that can be really useful is just doing what's called a somatic check-in with yourself. So if I have any clients listening to this, then you've definitely heard of a somatic check-in because I'm all about getting you back into your body. So that is simply taking a second to sit somewhere quiet and close your eyes if you like. Um, I encourage people to set a timer for about five minutes just to at least give themselves that space. Close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, and just start to notice if there's any emotional kind of feeling or physical sensation in your body and say them out loud. So it could be, I notice tension in my stomach. I notice my hands are cold. I notice I'm confused. And just talk it out loud. And what you're doing is you're just allowing yourself to get back in touch with your body so you can start to create space to feel the emotions that are there. Because even when we're numb, we're not numb because we're completely void of emotion. We're numb because we're it's like we're putting up that wall before we're ready to deal with the emotion. So doing that process can be really helpful. I have a whole podcast episode. Again, if you go to growthovereasy.com, that kind of walks you through it, especially if you're feeling really overwhelming emotions. But I encourage you, if you have time tonight or whenever you're listening to this, set a timer and just check in with yourself. What are you feeling? What kind of sensations are you noticing in your body? 